before we get started, I did want to share a little bit of what I learned at Cultivate a couple weeks ago. We had a keynote address from our industry's uh, market research expert, Dr. Charlie Hall. And he shared some really interesting uh, statistics, a little bit about what to expect in the coming year based on the survey results from this current year. And he started by saying, in general, our industry is experiencing ebbs and flows, but consumers are buying, landscapers are installing, and builders are building. So those are all great indicators for our industry. He also said that based on his, uh, his extensive grower survey that spring 2023 was good for most growers with 76% reporting increased sales from 2022. Following that up, 100% of growers surveyed felt that sales this year were better than 2019. So that indicates just consistent growth uh, from the pre-pandemic year of 2019. Bottom line profit was up for 69% of the growers surveyed, which means that there's a percentage that didn't have increased profits. And I think a lot of that comes down to increased price. So don't be afraid to raise your prices and you'll be part of that percent next year. 78% reported unit sales were up. That's really good for all of us. Transaction counts are still up for garden center retailers, meaning that we are keeping some of the new shoppers that we gained over the last few years. And then he talked a little bit about the future. So supply chain has stabilized. Products tend to be coming in. Your inputs are coming in on time and probably back to normal. And his forecasts show that we can expect costs to increase about 1.6%. That's palatable compared to the last couple years. Um, but again, if you're not raising prices, that will catch up to you on the bottom line. The United States has a historic level of people between the ages of 25 and 35, which bodes very well for housing and our industry. And excess savings or capacity to spend is still high for middle and upper class Americans, which again, that's our core customer. So all very good indicators for 2024. But those are just numbers. And this panel's about the reality of what you face as businesses in our industry. And in that sense, we have three fantastic panelists who are gonna really be able to shed some light on planning for 2024. First on my left is Kate Terrell, the second generation owner of Wallace's Greenhouse and Garden Center in Bettendorf, Iowa. She's a, an experienced industry speaker and uh, someone who I call when I need to know what the real scoop is because Kate doesn't sugarcoat it and we appreciate that. Next to her is Tom Seary. A lot of you know Tom. Tom is the Midwest Regional Sales Manager at Ball Seed, a Ball Seed sales rep, second generation sales rep, and uh, one, of, one of my favorite go-to reps when it comes to hearing uh, big picture uh, what's going on in, in the Midwest. And next to Tom is Jim Kennedy, uh, Ball Seeds National Sales Manager. But even more than that, Jim has had a lot of different roles within Ball. I uh, ran Ball Floor Plant from the sales side for a while. But the coolest thing about Jim is Jim does come from a family greenhouse. He told me yesterday that his dad called him the greenhouse guy. If you need something, go talk to the greenhouse guy. So Jim is a greenhouse guy. Jim's fantastic with plant disease and pest diagnostics. So if you have a question, you can try to stump Jim later today. Uh, but again, this is a very good, well-rounded panel, and let's give them a round of applause and thank them for being here. Great. 
first question. We're going to get started with a, a kind of an opening question, thinking a little bit about last year. Uh, I'm going to ask the panelists to talk a little bit about how they created a plan for 2023, what went into that planning, and how the season went. Kate, why don't we start with you? Ladies first, I guess. Um, it's hard to remember that far back, but um, 2023 was a hard one for us just because um, 22, you know, 21 was crazy. 22, was it going to be the same? Were the levels going to stay up? Um, and, and they did for us. We were we sold more in 22 than we did in 21, uh, thankfully. And so 23, the big question was, is that going to keep going for us? Are we going to still be able to grow more? And if we want to grow more, do we even have the space to do it? So uh, that resulted in a new greenhouse at Wallace's. <laughs> and, um, and for planning, we did dial it back a little bit and um, uh, just about maybe 10% and did a lot of tweaking. Um, in changing our mix, uh, we kept our flats about the same, baskets down a little bit, um, and then combo pots definitely uh, up. We noticed a lot of consumers wanting the pick up and go, and so we leaned into that quite a bit. So um, we start planning um, in the current season. So for 2022, right in the heat of April and May, we had a lot of tailgate meetings of what's selling, what are they asking for, what do we not have that every single customer seems to want this year. And um, so it starts with that, taking notes, taking pictures of stuff that didn't grow the way we wanted it to. Um, and then we kind of um, put that on the back burner until Cultivate. And we head out to Cultivate to see what's new, what we're going to have to make room for, absolutely, and what, um, what when we dump something, what we can fill in with. So. Um, so we do that, and then um, kind of our third step in planning is coming here. Because um, as good as some stuff looks in Ohio, it doesn't always look as good as it should, like it does in a garden when it's outside. Um, and then we like to see how it holds up. We are about two and a half hours west of here, so we have very similar weather. So the, the way stuff is performing in this garden is how it's going to perform for most of our customers. So, um, And then we do that, gather all our input, and then uh, we have a planning meeting. Uh, where we sit down with Tom and now Nora, our new rep. Nora, yay, she's sitting with my team right now. And then uh, we just kind of take last year's production schedule and start plug and play and, and go from there. And we have some heated debates and, and some fun while we do it. Excellent. Uh, I do think that planning uh, during the heat of the season is probably a good idea while it's fresh in your mind. And that's something you don't want to wait for it to go too far past that when it's out of your mind. Tom, as so, a, uh, with an overview of an entire region and uh, working hand in hand with a lot of growers, what do you think about 2023, how it was planned for, and then how, how did it go? So 2023 was a year where everybody was asking about the economy. Uh, you Bill referenced Charlie Hall, and Charlie Hall last year at this time said there was a 50% chance for a recession. So there was some concern. People were wondering, you know, how much should I cut back? Should I cut back? Are people even going to spend any money? So what, what I talked to my reps about and, you know, also my customers was you really have to be in control of your costs. You need to analyze your costs. You need to know specifically about what your labor is. And then the next biggest item is fuel. And what you're going to find is, is you're going to have to raise your prices to account for that. And you know, most people that were able to do that um, were successful. 
The other thing is, is I think it's it's always good to look at your efficiencies, right? How can you become more efficient as an organization? You know, in, in simple terms, do I really want to be moving that one flat around 20 times? Is there a way that I can avoid that? Uh, you know, lastly, uh, Kate mentioned this, looking at your product mix, getting rid of some of the things that don't sell, increasing some of the ones that, that, that sell more. You know, the idea of, hey, let's grow 500 flats of super elephant impatience because we have the tags left over from four years ago, just not gonna work in the way. Jim, why don't we uh, take this up to a little bit of a higher level? What do you think about uh, 2023, the planning that went in, and then uh, what we saw uh, when we went back and analyzed 23? Yeah, and the planning process for 23 for us at Ball Seed goes back about 18 to 24 months. Looking back into our planning our production farms offshore, planning our seed purchases. As we get closer and closer to the season, one of the huge factors is our conversations with each of you and with our sales force. To really understand what's happening with you, our customers. Last year at this time, you could still hear the dumpsters crunching. And that had a big factor in our budgeting process because so much product ended up dumped in the spring of 22. That factored into our planning for 23. As we looked across the impact of 22 on our 23 season, we forecast to have our units to be about flat, but we also had the big factor of price increases that was mentioned earlier. The inflationary impact was very significant planning for 23. So we knew that our revenues would be up because of costs going up. We factored that units would be probably close to flat and we were hoping that the weather would improve, and it did. So if you look back on it, looking back now, what happened in 23? Well, units were down significantly more than we budgeted, so we missed our budget on units. Uh, units were down between 10 and 15% across North America. The price increases were accepted and in many cases passed through by you, and the consumers bought, and the weather was fantastic. So 23 for us turned out to be a great year because our customers had a better profitable year. Our customers grew less, but they sold through more and our customers were more profitable. And that made 23 a good year for Ball. And it's always good to look back, but the real goal of this panel is to look forward. So let's talk about 2024. Uh, Tom, I'm gonna start with you because one of the big questions I've heard around the industry, whether that's talking to growers, talking to retailers, just walking the floors at Cultivate, talking to folks today and yesterday is, how do I plan for 2024? So what? talk a little bit about what, what thoughts are for 2024. Obviously, no one up here is holding a crystal ball, but when you think about 2024, what, what is the, what's the planning that's going into that? You know, my advice for 24 is very similar to 23. It's really important to understand what your costs are. That, that's, that's number one. And if necessary, um, you have to raise prices. Uh, it's just, that, that's the number one thing, to understand where your cost position is. Um, we're not economists. Um, Bill mentioned a crystal ball. I don't have one either. Kate actually does, but she does not share it with me. So, so because of that, right. Um, but you know, also look at efficiencies, right? Like, is, is there an opportunity to maybe buy a piece of machinery? Is there something you can automate? 
uh, if the budget is available. That, that's, that's another way um, to plan because we're all struggling hiring uh, workers. We're all struggling to get people to, you know, come to our places and, and, and you know, meet that, those labor demands. Um, the la and then once again, you know, look at, look at your square footage on the bench. Look, look at, you know, what that square footage is returning and see if there's an opportunity to get another turn. See if there's an opportunity to create a new skill. Uh, it's always just uh, altering that mix to be more profitable. Very good advice. And Tom is a fantastic rep and regional manager, but he's not unique in the fact that a lot of your ball seed reps can help you with that cost analysis and help you make some decisions that if that's not something that's uh, a skill set on your team. Uh, Kate, talk a little bit about uh, Wallace's and what you're thinking for 2024. Before I answer that question, during the last question, your boss, Chris Bates, was shouting a question at us that I'm going to answer. In my last answer, I mentioned having tailgate meetings and Chris is down here kneeling down, what's a tailgate meeting? So um, it's not drinking beer in the Iowa State University parking lot. That's a different tailgate meeting. Um, so we have, uh, we're a retail store, so uh, we don't have a lot of time to sit down as a group and have an actual meeting at a table. So a lot of times when I wanna talk with Lisa, our grower, Amy, our nursery manager, I go to them in the greenhouse, in the nursery, in the production house, and we talk like, hey, what do you think about this? Hey, you know what, why is this bench still full? And is this something we should be growing? So um, tailgate meetings are kind of informal, on the fly, uh, stand-up meetings. It's If you met my growers, you would see that it's really hard to put their butts in seats. They uh, tend to always be on the move. So that is a tailgate meeting. Uh, for 24, uh, we are predicting, I don't really have a crystal ball, we are predicting um, kind of similar traffic, I think, um, younger traffic we're seeing. Uh, definitely our website finally for the first time went from the number one demographic being 45 to 65 to being 35 to 44. So uh, we're taking that into account. Um, and then wondering about where our sales are. For so far this year, we're about flat. We're a little bit ahead, maybe five, eight percent. Um, so my big thing is cutting costs on the on the other side. So I'm trying to lower my inputs, um, which I think is going to be a little bit easier. We Last year, um, a lot of you growers know we were panic buying, right? Like you had to, you couldn't think about your pots or shop around because you just had to get your name in line. So you were gonna get your pots on time, if at all. You were trying to forecast into 24 from 22 and you had no idea how you were gonna do in either 22 or 23. The same with soil pricing. There was no peat. We were debating hydrofiber, um, and those costs were crazy. So normally where a lot of us growers are very careful about our inputs, um, all of a sudden you didn't have a choice. You just had to go like you were on supermarket sweep and fill your warehouse as quickly as possible um, and just kind of, we had a, what I say a hoarding mentality is that we were just getting pots and, and ordering a little extra and uh, not thinking about as much as those inputs um, as we should have been. So this year we are doing a lot more uh, tire kicking at Cultivate and uh, really looking at uh, examining how we can bring those input costs back down. Excellent, I, I would imagine a lot of you are in the exact same boat. So uh, what Kate's saying isn't uh, 
isn't a revelation, but it's certainly something to keep, keep in mind. Uh, controlling costs is absolutely critical. And Jim, can you talk a little bit about how Ball Seed is forecasting and budgeting for 2024? Sure, Bill. On our forecasting and planning process, a lot of it's influenced uh, by what we were just talking about in terms of inflation. With plastic coming down, with soil coming down, we think that's going to help keep the retail price points more in line so we don't have another huge jump at the retail. So that sticker shop for that consumer coming in to buy a plant won't go much higher. So I think that's really going to help. We're looking at the, the words that come to mind to me are fine-tuning. Those are the two words that I probably hear the most when it comes to 24, fine-tuning. What is it in your data where you see the most growth? You mentioned earlier patio pots, instant decoration. What categories are declining? What categories did you have the most shrink or the most dump? We see, for example, the patio pot trends really hot. Hydrangeas like this one in front of me, they sell like crazy. Where succulents, maybe not as much. Some of the other categories are slackening. So what does your data say? That's a really important thing to really pay attention to. We heard mention of costs, but also pay attention to your sales data. What's hot and what's not? And what tweaks can you make within your assortment? We think that units are gonna be in a single digit increase in units. But the Within that, what's going to be the radical shift? We're going to sell a lot more hydrangeas. I think we're going to sell a few less of succulents. What's that going to be for your business? And I think that's really the challenge is that fine tuning. Excellent. And I think that's unique to each business. And that's something you and your team can work through. And, and again, a reminder, ask everyone on your team, because you never know where that, that great piece of information is going to come from. Let's talk a little bit about teams. I think that's a really good segue because obviously we all know that, that, that acquiring labor is a challenge. I don't think anyone can argue with that. Some of you might be doing very well bringing in new staff and, and, may, and retaining your existing staff. Some of you might be struggling with that. And cha change and turnover brings on a ton of opportunities. So when you develop teams and new team members, there's a lot that goes into that. So maybe the panelists can talk a little bit about how you and, you know, if you have your own business or the greenhouse you work with are training and educating staff members and team members. Because we know that the more you can educate, the, the more you're going to gain from them as team members. And, and the investment is something that can really pay off. So I'm going to open it up to any one of you to jump in and talk a little bit about staff development and training. So I think that, okay, so sure. <laughs> so training um, makes team members more efficient. That, and so they know what to do, they don't have to ask you what to do. And by doing that, it frees up your time to, to look at the bigger picture. Um, you know, I, I also think that when you train somebody, you're demonstrating that you value them. And by doing that, um, you can create an atmosphere where that person can be retained and they'll, they'll want to continue uh, to work for you. And those are kind of two of the points that, that I kind of think of right away. Okay, this is the hardest question for me because 
I have a table of nine people over here that work for me. So, um, so they're going to call me out if I lie up here about how great of a trainer I am. Um, I think part of um, staff development and training is exactly things like this. Rolling up here, I brought a car yesterday with five people. I brought ten total today, including me, and um, and opening their eyes to. Um, the whole big picture of the industry and not the, the, the smallish part where they, you know, they plant and grow and sell and bye-bye and they don't know how many steps came before those last three. And um, it makes them more effective salespeople to see, you know, some of the new introductions next year when they're looking on the bench and they're talking to a customer about the new Violet Sky Headliner and how they saw it was different than Night Sky that we've had for so long that's gonna make the customer think, wow, this girl knows her stuff. This guy knows what he's talking about. So, um, and then just asking their input. I talked earlier about tailgate meetings. Um, a lot of times when the, they're out watering in the greenhouse, um, we'll ask, what do you think of this? Well, they'll, they'll buy plants and how's that growing for you? Um, getting a lot of their input um, and including them. And the other thing is, um, they say this a lot in sales when you're in retail is, don't tell the customer what you're selling them, tell them why you're selling it. And so um, I believe that a lot with our team, you know, we're, we're a growing greenhouse, so we have methods to our madness and we do everything a certain way. Well, when you're in spring production, there's not always a lot of time to explain it. But a lot of times your new people are like, why are we, this seems really tedious, why are we doing it this way? And so um, if you explain to them the why that's behind um, what you're doing, and why we plant this in a five inch pot and why this goes in a basket and why this house is warmer than this one. So this is why this plant goes here, even though it seems you're walking 10 steps further. So um, I think sharing some of those details and list, really listening to their input um, on my team is what I try to do a lot more um, that maybe didn't happen quite as much in the first generation. <laughs> that hopefully happens more in the second generation. So I think I, I can build on Kate's why. For each of you in our industry, you have a really unique why that you can share with your teams. And here at Ball, we say color the world. And the opportunity that all of us have in this industry to engage with a product category that brings as much excitement, joy, pleasure, happiness to the whole world that's our huge differentiator. So in all of your organizations and businesses, you have the opportunity to work with plants. And that sets you apart from all the other different potential jobs that are out there. And I think that's a big differentiator we can all capitalize on. The other part about culture, uh, the impact of culture on your team. So in each of our organizations, our culture is important to us. How do we perpetuate that culture? And it's done through our team members. So as we develop our teams, think about the importance of developing our managers and our team members and orient those towards our goals. For many of us, that's our customer. For us at Ball, number one job, take care of the customer. So as we build back on that, as we promote team members, thinking about the, what comes to mind for me is a story about the Ritz-Carlton. There was a new team member at the Ritz-Carlton working the front desk. And they were told that your number one job is to take care of that person who's staying at our hotel tonight. You need to keep them happy. And that was their job. They did a great job of that. Then they were getting promoted to be the front desk manager. And their supervisor told them, 
that your job is no longer keeping the customer happy. Your job is now to keep the front desk team members happy. And that was kind of surprising that this person had done so well working at the Ritz-Carlton. And they reflecting on that and said, well, why is that? And they realized that the happy team members at the front desk make happy customers. And as a manager, as a leader in your business, it's your job to train and develop your team to keep that person that's interfacing with your customer, we want that person to be happy. And as leaders in the business, that's our job. And by developing them through the tactics that you mentioned, helps them feel engaged, appreciated, and valued. And in turn, your customers feel the same way. And I think that's such an important part of development of our teams. It keeps our culture alive. Yep, you're only as good as the team around you and, and the folks that are interacting directly with that end consumer. So those are all very good challenges. We cannot leave this tent today with a panel without talking about flowers. Hopefully most of you have gotten a chance to walk through the gardens, see a lot of the new introductions, talk to product managers who know these flowers inside and out. And if all our mission is the color of the world, you've seen a lot of color out there. So I'm gonna go down the panel. We'll start with Kate. What have you seen that's exciting you to bring into your operation next year in terms of new products? And you can, you can talk about non-flowers, but I'd really like you to talk about flowers since we're a flower company. Talk about flowers. It's my favorite thing to talk about, I think. Um, unless you wanna hear about Broadway musicals, I can show you, share those. Okay. Stick flowers. flowers. Okay. So um, my new flowers that I'm really excited about all have a theme, um, and we've been talking about it in the car on the way up here and as we've been walking around, is that we are focusing a lot on heat and drought tolerant plants um, as we've all been melting for the last couple weeks in the greenhouse and, um, and talking about even our own gardens, about stuff that's not blooming, that's melting out, that doesn't look as good as it did last year. and and how can we avoid that? So, because I don't think this heat is going anywhere um, for the foreseeable future. So, um, so some of the things I'm excited about perennial-wise um, is the the new double scoop um, cone flowers out in perennials. You're welcome, Seth Reed, for that mention. Um, and then in annuals, I haven't gotten as far through the garden as I'd like to yet, but um, being at Cultivate really helps. I'm really loving the new uh, passion fruit lantana. Um, that uh, we saw in Ohio. It's just dynamite out here in the garden. It's a trailing lantana, so it opens up a new option for baskets. Um, and not only being heat tolerant, but also um, a pollinator plant. That's the other uh, kind of uh, thing that we're looking for a lot right now. Some of the new kufias that were introduced this year, we're excited about uh, the shamrock red lantana um, are definitely things that we are are excited about. Also, um, we can't sell enough dragon wing begonia uh, in our little greenhouse in Iowa. So the, uh, the new introduction, the, the bronze leaf uh, dragon wings are uh, definitely going to be in the mix for us. Excellent. Tom, what are you seeing out there that, uh, that you're going to be promoting to your customers? So I really like the Caliburst Pachoa. I like that one too. Jim likes it too. The, the, you know, it's a, it's a cross between a petunia and the Caliburcoa. The, the nice thing about it is you can grow it cold uh, and you can mix it with the, the E3 Easy Ways to give you a nice pop of yellow. So that's something to consider. You know, Kate met, mentioned the Passion Fruit Lantana. 
The whole idea of pollinators is, is a growing class. People are very interested in that. Um, but if you haven't seen it, just walk by. It's, it's, it's a unique lantana. Pachoa uh, and Viva Pink. Uh, that, that's a, a really nice plant. Uh, I have a sample of that. It's, a, it's just iridescent pink color. And it, it does really well in ground. Uh, the last item that I have is um, Supertunia Hoopla Vivid Orchid. Uh, and that's uh, an, a great in the ground and also has a unique color. All right, Jim, you know these products inside and out. What do you like? I know Tom just stole your favorite. That's a great lineup. Great lineup. Uh, the, uh, I like the, the Sun Patient Vigorous Cotton Candy is amazing. That's a beautiful plant. The mention of the interspecific hybrids, I think there's so much happening in that space. But I wanted to make a special call out for the artisan echinacea. You mentioned the, the double scoop, but the artisan is the first ever F1 hybrid echinacea from seed that's been developed by Pan American Seed in collaboration with our team at Ball Helix. And to get that uniformity out of a seed echinacea and that color range, something to keep your eye on. The new yellow is tremendous what's coming behind it with other straight colors in that F1 Artisan, really awesome. That's one to keep an eye on. And my favorite for this year is Beacon Rose. I love the extension of the color range in beacons. The highly resistant to downy mildew helps make it better for our consumers across North America and really across the world to have an impatience to bring that confidence back to our shade gardeners that they can use impatience in the shade they're going to survive all the way to frost and having the extended color range with the rose gives us more mixes there's also a, a blue pearl in the mix a pearl island mix which is right there on the tables uh, that's another one of my favorites so i love what we're doing in beacon i love the science behind it and what it means for the confidence of home gardeners excellent and while we're talking about beacon i'll give a quick shout out in about 15 minutes in the conference room by the cafe, uh, our technical guru at Ball, Nick Flax, is giving a talk on uh, products that have uh, inherent disease and pest issues. We call them at-risk crops. And he's going to be talking a lot about uh, the importance of beacon as an introduction, as well as other crops that uh, you might struggle with. And uh, the great thing about Nick is he knows every plant from aster to zinnia, and if you have technical questions, when we're done here with this panel, make your way to the cafe, the conference room, and uh, and listen to Nick. And uh, you can feel free to ask him any questions you might have. My favorite plant that I've seen out in the gardens just from walking through, I love Jurassic begonias. They're absolutely one of my favorite plants for shade. They're big, they're amazing, and uh, they're in the ball ingenuity area. You gotta go check them out. They have different uh, sizes and structured types. Final question before we wrap up. Uh, I always like to end any interview, any panel with what have we missed? Is there anything you want to reiterate? Is there anything that, uh, that you wish you'd said earlier that you haven't said already? So again, we're talking about keys to success in 2024. Uh, if you want to share a final thought or word of wisdom, now is the time. Tom, I'm starting with you. Well, just to quote Charlie Hall again, it's estimated that the products that we sell have increased on average since 2020 by 22%. So what I would say to you is don't be afraid to raise your prices. All right, Kate, what do you got? 
for 2024, uh, well, I've, I've kind of always known this, but I've been learning it every year uh, since 2020 with the pandemic and then in 2021 when I took over as owner, um, is that you are absolutely nothing without your people. You could not do what you could do without them. And so, um, you know, talk to them, know who they are, and then look for ways to make their jobs easier. Uh, the last two years, with some of our extra money, we've poured a lot of concrete, which makes it a lot easier to push a cart. We've built new greenhouses, we've gotten new fans, we've upgraded, you know, even just fixing the leaky hoses, stuff like that. Take care of your people, because they are the ones taking care of your plants. And um, yeah, it's just every year, the more, I, the more I do this, the more I realize that not only can I not do it without them, but I don't want to. Jim, you want to wrap us up here? Uh, a couple of things come to mind in listening to the to your final words of wisdom. Uh, one that comes to mind is to me is there's nothing more vulnerable than entrenched success. So if your business has been doing really well the last couple of years, might you be vulnerable to not adapting to what what needs to be adapted for 24? So here at Ball, we all read a book called Profit from the Core. And in the book, the premise of the book is basically that 75% of your growth is going to come from your core products. So if you sell annuals to homeowners in a garden center, that's your main business, that's your core. 75% of your growth is going to come from that. If it's perennials to landscapers, that's your core. 75% of your growth. But each of our challenges optimize our full growth. So how do we get to 100% of our potential growth? And that 100% growth potential comes from expanding your business down a category line, down a geographic line, down a customer segment line to anchor your business in your core, to grow it, to make it stronger, but push yourself down. Is it a new geography, a new customer segment, a new product line? What is it in your business that will push you outside of your comfort zone, keep you from getting complacent, and help you achieve 100% of your growth potential in 24. I think you can all do it. If you're not sure where to start, I'd encourage you to reach out to your ball seed sales rep, ask them about profit from the core and what it might mean for, for their business. Excellent. Well, thank you so much to the panel. Let's give a round of applause for our panelists. I do want to give a quick shout out to Grower Talks and Green Profit Magazine. Watch for the August issue of Green Profit because the editors went and visited Wallace's and you'll see some pictures of their operation and thoughts on why they're so successful. So watch for the August issue. While you're in the cafe, go make sure you're subscribed to Grower Talks and Green Profit. Again, thank you all so much for being here. We are happy to have you. And go out and explore. And if you want to go hear Nick talk about uh, technical challenges and ways to be improve your culture, he's right by the cafe at one o'clock. Thank you. Thank you.